With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. News team, assemble! back and bigger than ever it's the unofficial 40 from soonerscoop.com now here's the entire sooner scoop crew carrie josh eddie and bob all right welcome back it is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast brought to you by soonerscoop.com and dan soxy and uh josh mcquistian has the week off this week, so uh, we're going to welcome in a special guest. Eddie Radosovich, Bob Prisbillo are here, uh, but we now welcome in the Athletics' Jason Kersey, who is uh, joining the podcast for the first time in quite some time. I see he's fighting with Josh McQuistion on Twitter, who uh, could be bothered to show up, but uh, is here on the the uh, er, er, is on Twitter fighting with Kersey for being a scab, apparently. Jason, welcome to the program. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I feel like I, you know this is like if Wes Mantooth got invited uh, onto the Channel Four News team or something. <laughs> uh, I think you're a little well, maybe not by some on the message board, but by us, you're much more well liked than Wes Mantooth. <laughs> I don't have nearly as good hair as Wes Mantooth. That's for Wes sure. Wes Mantooth's mother was a saint. <laughs> yeah, he also had I, hair. I wish you yeah. got. Carrie, I wish you could see me right now. The Wolverine hair is really coming in right now. So I would love to see the Wolverine hair. Like, well, you know <laughs> what? If you, if Bob would like to tell you that if you want to come on a basketball Zoom anytime soon, that he would love to see you. I know, oh, for sure. I know Bob is holding back. He has a lot of uh, pent up hostility toward you because <laughs> you're not actively covering the basketball team on a daily basis like he oh, is. Oh, that's fine. Man, those Zooms are littered with enough people. Thank you, especially since now they're ranked. People so, that didn't care before. So you're saying Kersey's a slappy that would just make it worse? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let, 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 let's get this fight going. Yes. <laughs> I think Kersey has his hands full covering uh, viral videos in the women's basketball team. Oh, you mean uh, you're fighting people.com for viewership right now at The Athletic? I can't believe that people.com of all people published that story. It's people.com. Didn't TMZ do something with it too? Well, they had uh, the Ben Askew 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 guy commenting on it, the MMA fighter, because people thought that the assailant or whatever we're going to call this kid uh, looked like him, and it might have been him, and he had to like basically come on and say that was not me, and I'm not in a bar fighting people, especially not <laughs> walk on holders. They, they might be doing it in other places, but not doing it in Norman. It would have ended much worse for uh, Spencer yes. Jones. That would have been uh, been Askew. Yeah, there's no doubt. Well, I mean, look, it is. I know Eddie is not a fan of uh, even any of this discussion. 
much it less. It was a bar fight. I just can't <laughs> believe that there was so much. It was, I mean, I understand that why it went viral because you don't see that very often. It's a great fight video. I mean, it has everything you want. A little, uh, you know, big guy versus small guy, and the small guy wins. Who doesn't want to see that shit? I just feel like it's a it's a bar fight. If you've been in Norman or you've gone up to the Strip in Stillwater, now you probably haven't seen an ass beating quite like that, but see a fight from time to time. That happens on a college campus, believe it or not. And it's a little bit, I think, of like, uh, you know, KU fans or, uh, you know, lesser school fans getting to see an OU football player getting his ass kicked. Like, they just love that, even though they ignore the fact that it's a holder and a former walk-on. But Yeah, and, and I guess, like, my, my response... I. It was just a bar fight, and those things do happen, Eddie. My, my like only response to that, I guess, would be that this was such a severe beating, and Spencer Jones nearly was blinded by it. I mean, literally had his uh, orbital socket completely shattered. And to me, that makes it a little bit different. But look, I don't want to be working on this right now either. So, I mean, this is the last <laughs> thing I want to be chasing. But, um, but, but I sort of do understand, I think, why it's a bigger deal, just because it ended up being such a severe injury to, to Spencer Jones. Sure. And then you no, get I, lawyers I, I involved get and it, it just takes it to a whole nother level. And it's just like, okay, why are there lawyers involved? And is somebody suing someone? Is there going to be a civil thing out of this? And then you kind of, Jason, I know you have been working on this and kind of tracking down like, okay, first off, who are these guys that were the MMA guys that were fighting. And one guy was literally dressed like a, a gangster in a British, uh, you know, gangster movie. Like he was wearing Adidas track pants, uh, like he was in Snatch or something. Um, and then the other guy that jumped on Spencer Jones. I mean, who are these guys? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're brothers that are, are from Norman. Their father owns a, a, an MMA gym uh, in, in downtown Norman. I mean, these guys claim that they've been training uh, in wrestling and MMA since they were children. So, I mean, these are not, these are not the kind of guys you want to mess with, and that, that's pretty obvious. Now, I think there's an open question as to how much Spencer Jones actually did mess with them. I mean, uh, Spencer Jones' lawyer says... He just sort of walked into the situation, walked into the middle of this this uh, argument and, and was sort of in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, the lawyers for the brothers, Walker and Braden Brown, put out a statement just right before we started recording saying that uh, actually uh, Spencer Jones and his friend had assaulted the Browns before this. And, and that's his explanation for why uh, Walker Brown has already has blood on his face before the, the fight that we all saw. So it's kind of messy and complicated. Right now, the Norman police is investigating it. Uh, District Attorney Greg Mashburn will be the one to make the decision about whether or not charges are filed. But, um, but then certainly there could be a civil suit after that. I mean, Spencer Jones has a lawyer, um, you know, right now, and, and that lawyer nece won't necessarily be his lawyer, I guess, during the criminal proceeding. That's the district attorney. So I, I think there's at least some thought that, that there could be civil litigation in this as well. You know, back in my day, all these beasts would have just been settled at SAE Boxing during the spring. A great day drinking option come mid-May. With a side of racism? <laughs> Uh, I think that's a little unfair. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
well, here's the thing, too. Um, I mean, all this stuff going on, and, and, you know, I've had all these people calling me like, hey, what's who's this Spencer Jones guy and this and that. Uh, it is it is perfect clickbait fodder. Now, you know, it, there wasn't anything really big going on in the sports world, but now the Tiger Woods stuff is out there, so maybe this kind of gets pushed to the national, you know, gets pushed to the side from a national oh, perspective. What's going to happen is exactly what happens with every news cycle. It was there for a couple of days, and something else has piqued everybody's interest. You're not gonna you're not you're not gonna hear about it again nationally until. Uh, you know, something happens if there's a court case or anything like that. I mean, look at Morgan Wallen, for instance. He's already back on the radio. I think it just takes a couple back days. Back at in, number one. All of a sudden, you're, you're back in. Isn't he like back at number one and everything? Like it didn't I don't even. Think he ever left a blip. One. That tells you everything you need to know. And it's not good what it tells you. I mean, no, no, not at all. So anyway, uh. Yeah, yeah, this stuff will all blow over. Um, I, I don't know that Lincoln Riley needs to come out and address anything. And even if he did, it's kind of like you know what you and I have talked about, Jason. You just got to let the police investigation finish off to see, you know, was it Spencer Jones? Was it his friend that punched <coughs> this guy in the first place that that started the fight, or? Did his friend punch the guy, and then he was in there really trying to de-escalate it, and it just got worse and worse? Yeah, I mean, and we won't know any of that, obviously, till the DA decides what what uh, what he's going to do. But, um, but yeah, I you know, OU obviously didn't have any comment on this, and um, and I, I would imagine that it, whenever the next press conference is, someone will probably ask Lincoln about it. But I'm not really sure what he will say. I mean, I. Unless it comes out that that this was entirely Spencer Jones' fault, which again I I'm not saying that it will, um, but if if that come you know, unless something like that, unless some fact comes out like that that proves that, uh, I don't think he's going to get kicked off the team or anything. Is that one minute video all we have of of anything? Just, yeah, I, think, well, yeah. No, I, I haven't. That's seen it. Else. Okay. Well, you do see somebody yes. else with a phone. Uh, you know, that's, that's sitting there recording it, but there is just so much going on in the video. I mean, you got one guy back there that's like pissing on the wall that just like completely is oblivious to anything that is happening, <laughs> yes. behind them, which is one of my favorite parts. One guy just casually steps over them and leaves, <laughs> you know, like kind of trying to break it up. Like, all right, I did my part. I'm good. I think anybody that has been in uh, the Logan's bathroom before, and I, it was it was well told on Twitter, but uh, there's a lot of missing the toilet in that room. I'll tell you that. When I, when did guys remind me? When did it stop being Logan's and become Logies? I, I, I well, I can't right after they got sued happened. by the steakhouse. I mean, so it's been a few years now. God, I completely right. forgot about that. Yeah, I, I uh, that was never really my scene in college. I, I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time there, but uh, but I do know about it, and I have been there before, and can confirm the things about the bathroom. It was before they had the rooftop deck. I know that. I mean, oh yeah, it's been years since I've been in there. I, in fact, I posted on the board earlier or earlier this week. I, I think the last time I was in there, you can still smoke cigarettes inside. So I, I know it's been a minute. I mean, I, 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 I was that guy that stepped over everybody. I was like, look, I'm at a bar drinking. I just need to piss and get back outside so I can keep drinking. Like, I don't have yeah. time for your fighting. 
I mean, and I'll just, tell you this: yeah. the last time I was at Logies was probably ten years ago, if it's been open that long. Uh, but I literally had to like, you know, just get the hell out of the bathroom because the guy wanted to start a fight with me then for nothing. So like, I don't think it's uncommon for fights to start in the bathroom at Logies. Yeah, again, I I think it's it was a college fight that got out of hand. There's just I guess no other way to say it. Well, uh, you know who didn't My have biggest takeaway is the team needs to get tougher. <laughs> You know who didn't have uh, much fight last night was uh, the OU basketball team. Badoom boom. Uh, I I think you just you just expected that they were going to have a shit game somewhere along the line because regardless of having that number seven next to their name, I mean this is a team that historically loses in Manhattan or loses in Ames when they shouldn't. Uh, and even though they're having a remarkable season, like, Bob, that's just kind of a staple of a OU basketball team is, is a loss like that they had last night. Yeah, and they're having trouble shooting right right now, he, even in Ames. And they didn't play very well, but Austin Reeves was able to do enough to carry the day Saturday. He tried to do the same thing last night and just couldn't get it done. But, I mean, they've, they've got to find their shot again. You Brady Manick has been invisible the last two games. Elijah Harkless, we haven't mentioned him at all. Seems like he, Elijah Harkless weeks. has been the guy that since Austin Reeves has come back, like it's it, it basically is is muted his production. And in it's almost got to the point where it doesn't seem like uh it seemed like he was he had, he was becoming such a big part of their offensive identity, and that's since Reeves has come back, he's just disappeared almost. What's happening is like with him and Manic is they're missing their first couple shots, and then they're re- they're becoming bashful about taking them after that, and and that you know you just have to keep keep shooting. Although right now with Man, I'm I don't know what to say about Manic's game last night. That was that was a not a good performance, and, and that that becomes a, a problem because. Trying to get production out of that number five spot between Kirk Queth or Iwako or Manic, you know, you just need one of them. And Queth did step up toward the latter stages of the second half, but you can't go like thirty of the forty minutes without any production at all from that center spot. And yeah, I thought Iwako was really had a rough night last night, and he had been such a plus for them. You know, just coming in and, and giving them something and, and just. Because yeah. there's not a lot of bigs in this league, and when they have two guys that are playing well down low, that gives them an advantage over just about everybody. Uh, and Walker was bad last night, and Queth was really good at the start of the second half, and then he just kind of faded away. But he stayed, like you said, you know, Lon kept him in the game the entire time. Um, it just, I don't, I, I don't know, you know, the whole thing with Reeves and the technical. And then him sitting out the rest of the half, it was like, you could tell like that he knew that he screwed up and Lon knew he screwed up and he just, he was going to get punished for it and he did. And he, it just took him a while really to get back into the game. Uh, I would love to know what he said because he wasn't even looking at the ref. He was literally, right. his face was in the floor and he was saying something and he got teed up. It must have been absolutely awful what he said maybe yeah, and, eddie knows since I mean, he has that type of mouth 
And, and, and Reeves was definitely trying to initiate contact the entire game. And I think that might have been why that three-point shot at the end when he clearly got hit wasn't called is because he kept trying to draw contact and get fouls. So when one actually does happen, it, it almost probably didn't feel like it because it felt like another you know sell job by Reeves to try to get to the line. But you know what we're seeing is a common theme is Harmon starts out fast, and he did again. He had 12 points in the first half, and then he only had that one free throw in the second half. And then Reeves tries to take over in the second half, which is okay when your other pieces are doing stuff. Like Mo Gibson, the boards were great. He was tremendous on the glass. He Couldn't was. Couldn't make any shots. And it's just – Whatever, what for their third straight game on the road, these last two, they just were unable to find their shot. Maybe now that they're going home with Bedlam, they, you know, tra- tra- you know, traditionally you believe that role players play better at home, they shoot better at home. Maybe now that they get back to Lloyd Noble, you start seeing what we saw during the last month. Uh, now for our like- women's basketball report, Jason Kersey. How's Sherry and their girls doing? Who cares? I have something to say about the basketball. Oh, oh so, sorry. Sorry. Oh, I was completely Eddie zoned out. <laughs> I was completely zoned out. Hey! <laughs> Shut up, Plumley walked over to Walmart anytime last last couple of weeks and stole some more makeup or anything. I was just going to say that, you know, anyone who does cover the women's basketball team, remember that it's a privilege and an honor to cover the women's basketball team. So I'm just making sure you guys know that. Yeah, a lot of people say that you're the reason why they haven't played well here over the last <clears throat> 20 years. I am? Yeah, because you're not <laughs> over there anymore. There was just a you know, press 20 years ag- You know, 20 years ago, I was 14, right? Well, <laughs> you were still going to the games? You were going to the games at 14? <laughs> you were going to the games wearing your one glove from Kiwan Jones. Oh, God damn it. Really? Uh, we don't cuss on this podcast, Jason. Actually, uh, I, I'm, I'm a regular listener, so I know that's bullshit. <laughs> Fair enough. That was, a, that, no, was I... a, that was a low blow. I'm sorry, Kersey. <laughs> no, you had thoughts say, on the basketball team, Eddie, and I'm sorry we sidetracked you. No, it, it, it's, it's all good. I, I was just going to say, like, I, I feel like I'm one of the only people that – there's just no reason for concern as well as things have been going over the last month and a half, they were bound to put together a couple stinking games and it just happened to be one in Manhattan, a place that it's happened a lot. So they need to come back and finish up. And obviously with the two bedlam games on Saturday and Monday, and then uh, Texas on uh, a week from uh, Thursday, I mean, there's still a lot to play for. I still think that they're on the three line in the NCAA tournament. If they don't shit themselves down the stretch, I guess I'm just not that worried. I think what ha- what happened was after the win in Morgantown, people started seeing a two-seed Final Four talk, which was still very premature, but people start to truly believe that. And so they set themselves up for the fall from yesterday because now they were thinking this wasn't going to be the year where that happened. Because this was the yeah. only game where it could have happened. You know, well, when you look at how deep the league is, you don't, like, bat an eye when you lose to Texas or OSU or Baylor. But – when you lose to Kansas State to this year's Kansas State team, that rubs people the wrong the 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 wrong way. 
Sure. And even with all that said, they still had a chance, you know, in late in the yep. late stages of the game, as as poorly as they did play. It's amazing that they were even in that position. And if Mike McGill doesn't make three I know. consecutive threes and goes the on a nine just run by nuts. himself, they probably do win the game. So I, 50, I don't know. Yeah, there's 53-47 Sooners. Then McGurl hits three straight threes. And but you you sort of felt you, you, you put know, yourself in position for that to happen though. I mean, yep, just the way that that's you, that's you what Lon said is like they no, didn't play defense very well when you knew McGurl had a hot hand. They didn't do a good job of adjusting to make sure he didn't get that shot. No doubt, I'm excited for the Bedlam though. I mean, the next oh, yeah. games, the way the regular season ends and then into the Big Twelve tournament and. Obviously, as much you know, intrigue as there's going to be into uh, March Madness with kind of the uniqueness of it in Indianapolis, uh, there's still a lot to play for for this group. And I still think that, you know, it'd be a disappointment if this group doesn't get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. What, what is funny is just because of one game, they went from second to fourth in the standings. And so this sure. next week, week and a half with the, all those makeup games that we now know are going to be played for that, those standings are going to fluctuate. Every single day. I have no idea where this team's going to finish. You know, it, it's almost like last year, where as far as, you know, Austin Reeves doesn't make the shot in Fort right? Worth, they go from a three <laughs> seed all the way to playing on Wednesday in the in, in the Big 12 tournament. And the same thing, like the worst case scenario, say Oklahoma does lose out. Say they get beat twice by Oklahoma State and then lose to Texas. They might be playing on Wednesday in the NCAA tournament. And then if that's the case, you can't push the panic button. I'll probably have pushed it way before then, but you can join me when that does happen. I think the most interesting thing about this next week is that OSU kind of got hosed a little bit. I oh, mean, yeah. getting the Baylor makeup game. I guess the Big 12 just felt like, okay, well, we're going to let OU play their big rivalry games with Texas and, and the two Bedlam games. Uh, and then Oklahoma State, you can play Baylor because, you know, you don't, you don't need any, you know, any easy wins or anything to secure your tournament spot. So you can play Baylor. They have well, to have the they have the hardest closing stretch in the country. I, I I don't know anybody else that will close the season with four games against top fifteen opponents. Well, what what games is OSU missing? I mean, they did get swept by TCU. They had a chance to pick up a couple yeah, easy, uh, easy ones there, and they didn't do it. And so it was just weird. How some like like I said like Kansas doesn't have any their season's over on Saturday and they get to just chill and it's just you you don't know you know what games were the ones that you and you ended up missing you want them to be against Kansas State or Iowa State but for a lot of these teams it's probably gonna be Baylor or Texas Tech or something like that and next week's gonna it's gonna be a roll a big roller coaster ride because it's gonna like three games like Texas I think it's three road games in five days. That's going to be one heck, heck of a way to end the season. I got to say, Kersey, you picked quite a week to show up. This is the most uh, fervent basketball talk we've had, I think, all year <laughs> on the unofficial 40. Well, it, I was the perfect sub-in for Josh since he you know, bows out during these conversations. <laughs> yeah, and, he didn't want anything to do, do with this week's podcast. So, And now we go well, to a bad attitude for recruiting. Jason is <laughs> recruited. He's taking over for Josh. <laughs> Um, I mean, I can talk about that a little bit, but not like Josh. <laughs> by, by the way, did, are you Spencer. are you yeah. the one that was dragging Ramondre Stevenson? Did you ask him to come on a podcast? Oh, that yeah. What was that all about? What? 
He said, did you not see that? He sent out, maybe it was on Instagram and not on Twitter. I can't remember. Uh, This Twitter. But he basically, he he didn't basically, he said, if you dragged me in, in, uh, Perk and Trajan, don't call me asking to come on your podcast. And some douchebag was like, ha ha, Murdoch, he he got you. I was like, he's not talking about me. I know. It's like, it I don't wasn't think us. any of us were ever anti-marijuana when it comes to uh, how bad they were getting screwed by the NCAA. Yeah, yeah. Who I, I, I don't maybe want to speculate. I'm trying to wonder who that even would have been. Nobody on the beat, right? Like, who on the beat would have dragged him for for that? I, I don't know. I don't remember anybody really. I, I almost wanted to DM him and say, "Hey, man, I just wanted to hit you up and and uh, say, look, you know, we just reported on what was happening. I hope you don't think it was personal or anything like that." Like. Because that's all I really did. That Jason, that's all you did. You actually went out of your way to defend the 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 that the, they don't need to suspend people for that anymore. Uh, you were very vocal about that, and you wrote about it. We we started the free for three. I yeah, mean, we did how, start the free for three. How much support do you need? Yeah, I know. Maybe you, we should uh, send them a. Uh... The thing, a peace offering the, in the form of a uh, rolled-up marijuana cigarette. The thing with Ramondre is he he came out of that cleaner than everybody. Remember, he came back for the Tech game uh, yeah. before anybody else. And then, uh, well, Perk came back. Perkins came back in that game, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we all know he was possibly going to come back for that Iowa State game. And I know Kersey and I were in Ames, Iowa when all that was going on. Like, you came over to my hotel room and be socially distanced and all that. But we, we talked about things and I mean, that was just a a circus. I mean, going through the Iowa state situation and there was never, never really any thing being critical of, of, of Ronnie Perkins. It was being critical of the NCAA and you know, how they could drag it out like this. And, uh, you know, what right. went wrong. And, and I, you got, Eddie, you remember this, Bob, you were like, I got killed on the boards. Cause I just wouldn't come out flat out and say that he, he didn't pass his drug test. Like I just said, you know, the same thing that you said, Jason, which was, he didn't complete the reinstatement process. And people are like, well, what does that mean? I was like, well, you read between the lines, you figure it out. I don't want to you know, drag the kid's name through the mud over this. You can figure it out. You're big boys, but nobody did, and they all were pissed at me all the time. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, you know, the interesting thing about Ramondre, like you said, I mean, Ramondre was the only one of those three that there was no drama about his suspension at all. I mean, uh, and, and I was told that that he's the only one of the three. There were never any appeals filed. There was never um, anything like that. He just served his six games and came back. Um, so... You know, he's he would have been the one that that I feel like would have, um, I don't know, had I, I don't want to say his name dragged through the mud because I don't think that's what we did with the other two. But he's the, he's maybe the one who there was just no drama about his suspension. He, he just did it and moved on. And with Perkins, there was the chance he could come back early. And with Bridges, obviously, it lasted way longer. So uh, I, I don't know who he's mad at. I, I would be really interested to know. Slide into those DMs. Let's find out. I might do yeah. that later today. But anyway, I, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to take out of the Senior Bowl in regards to running backs. I mean, it was just, it was like a massive humanity. Uh, offensive and defensive lines just crushing each other all day long. So nobody was really gaining any yards. But, you know, it has been kind of interesting 
to see that uh, now was it was it Daniel Jeremiah uh, that put it out there that he thought that Ronnie Perkins could move up into the first round? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, that's really – we'll start with you, Jason. I mean, that's really kind of the biggest – uh, bump or news that I've seen out of any of the, the draft eligible guys for Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that. Um, not that I don't think it's possible. I just hadn't really seen that anywhere else. And I still haven't seen that anywhere else that, that Ronnie would be a first round guy, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, and it sounds like Creed had, had a heck of a, a time down at the senior bowl. Real, really yes, yes. sounds like he impressed people down there too. Um, so I don't know where he's going to end up. I mean, I think we've always sort of thought Creed could be a first round guy. And then it, that seems to have fallen off a little bit here lately, but then he had a good senior ball. So, um, I mean, I, I and then I, I've always found it really interesting too, how I think, uh, Gabe Eichert has said that, that there may be some sort of issue with him being left-handed. That might be something that, that holds him back a little bit. I, I don't know whether that's, you know, how all that works, but, uh, I, I always did think it was interesting that he was left-handed. I remember when he first became the starter thinking that was interesting. And then I just sort of got used to watching it and kind of forgot about it. I mean, I just, I think the Creed thing is so confusing at times and it's probably because he's a sinner and we've expected so much out of him ever since he was a freshman. Uh, but it kind of like along with the entire offensive line this year, it was just like, you never really felt like, wow, he's really having a dominating season at, at center. It, it, just like you never thought that the line really had a dominating season at any point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that that's definitely a fair way to put it. It, it. it Especially because, you know, Bill Biedenboe was so adamant in that. I, I remember that one preseason Zoom where he, I mean, the way he talked about the line and how good he thought they could be and how good the young guys were. I mean, I think it, it was sort of out of character for Bill to sort of set an expectation like that. But I, I, th I wonder if maybe that's why it didn't seem as good as, as maybe it even was. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm and wrong about that. That's why we never got to talk to Bill again because he was, he was so mad Come, coming off the only time he did talk. They, <laughs> they didn't live up to the billing. But outside of that, I mean, I, you know, I thought Trey Brown uh, had a really impressive uh, showing down there. And, and I just think, I don't know. I haven't asked around Jason. I don't know if you have about pro day or, uh, looking forward to that but I know you know one of the things that I saw I think it was Daniel Jeremiah talking about it is the one thing that that uh, NFL you know personnel people are going to have is all these colleges have GPSs on their players during games so like these guys will be able to see how fast guys move during games which I something I had never really thought of uh, and you know also it'll be and I think it'll help OU is that they have laser timing at their facility. Uh, so, you know, as long as that's up and running, which it hasn't been in years past at times, uh, that's going to be, I think, a real bonus for somebody like Trey Brown, Eddie, uh, that he's really going to be able, and we've seen him, you know, in the high school camp circuit. Uh, but he's definitely a guy that his biggest uh, resume builder will be his 40 time. Yeah, I, I've been on record as saying that I don't need to know that fast people are fast, though. I don't know. I mean, I. what is the plan going to be? Has there been any discussion about pro day or any type of workout down there? 
I find it a little ridiculous that we haven't found any type of spring football schedule either. Well, I think part of that was they they were they were waiting to maybe see what the what the dead period thing would yep. be. Uh, yeah, but, and 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 now we know that. But I, I've heard that pro day is going to be March twelfth. I don't know if anybody any of us are going to be allowed in there. Um, but pro day is going to be pretty important. See, I wonder if a guy like Trey Brown, even if OU has all the right equipment and he runs a really fast 40, if it's still different that it's not at the combine, like at the combine, it could have become this big story. I I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm sort of interested to see how pro day compares. If, if guys get a boost from pro day that they would typically get maybe from the combine. I've, I've always wondered, like, what – so, because so, I do think that, like, performing well at the Combine would make more of a buzz than a pro day. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's no particular reason, and maybe even, you know, inside of the NFL circles, it doesn't matter. They're, they're just looking at the results when you work out, and it, it doesn't matter if it's at the Combine or the pro day. But I think perception-wise, it definitely helps when you're on a bigger stage. And I just never have understood, like – Say somebody goes and runs something really good at the combine. Uh, you're obviously not going to run at your pro day. How much does that really help or hurt a team when they're deciding we're going to draft this guy? Is it the difference in maybe working up somebody's board to like a third round draft pick as opposed to maybe somebody that is going to be a mid fourth round pick? Like I've always just kind of wondered where that's at. Yeah, I mean, I just. I- it is. I mean, until we know kind of what the setup is going to be. I mean, I would imagine that, you know, if NFL people want to come in, they're going to – I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a pro day already because he needed to have surgery. Uh, so he had it really early. Uh, and, you know, people showed up for that. And it looked like a pretty normal pro day. Uh, I would imagine that pro day will just be the same as it has been. Uh, that they'll – now, will they move over to the indoor? I don't know because, I mean – there's not really a quarterback that needs to throw, uh, but you do still, you know, you want to do line drills. I mean, I'm sure you want to work out Adrian Ely if you can. Uh, I don't know if Creed would work out. Uh, I would imagine he would since it's the only opportunity. Um, yeah. And then Ronnie Perkins, you're going to want to see him move around. So I don't know. You need to be over there in the facility, though, to be able to do the timing accurately so people know what you're doing, even though I'm sure – you know, a lot of people will still want to hand time it and have their own time uh, versus what, you know, oh, you can do electronically. Uh, but I, I, there's, I, there's no better pro day moment when all the scouts get out their hand timers. It's like, come on, man. Like, are you really does a tenth of a second really matter to this this group? It does. Some of those people are hardcore, man. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I'll tell you guys, the guy I'm I think needs pro day the most and maybe even needed the combine the most. I, I think Trey Norwood yep. you know, could really benefit from, from, from this pro day because he's a guy, I, I don't know about you guys. I was kind of surprised that he decided to go. I, I figured he was going to come back, but um, I, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but it feels to me like it really sucks for him that this isn't the typical pre-draft process uh, for somebody who, you know, maybe could have made a splash at the combine uh, as well. I'm going to I'm used was shocking. Yeah. But I'm going to say something mean. I don't think he would have been invited to the Combine. Yeah, maybe. He was invited to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, but how much was that just guys, I don't know, maybe. This sounds bad as well, and I don't mean (laughs) shit on the guy, but 
how much of that was just people like, okay, this guy can't come, this guy can't come. Let's let's invite Trey Norwood. If, if Jordan a- Jordan Evans, uh, Jordan Evans and Parnell Motley, if those guys can't get to the combine, I'm not sure Trey Norwood would would have been there. But this is still a huge huge day for him coming up. That's Trey, still just a Trey, curious Trey, decision when it comes down to it. Trey Norwood is never going to come on this podcast after these comments. <laughs> we we I, did. I drink. mean, I, I tell him to his face. It was surprising that he elected to go to the draft. And that's not taking anything away. Like, he had a great Sugar Bowl. Ramondre Cotton Stevenson. Bowl, Cotton Bowl. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson, we did drag Trey Norwood, okay? <laughs> That's fair. fair and to as say. Jason, as a longtime listener of the pod, he should know what our reaction has been because we've said it a lot in the last two months. Jason, oh, is there anyone maybe. in the media or that pretends to be in the media you'd like to shit on? Because we do that a lot on this pod, apparently. Oh, I think I'll uh, I think I'll reserve that for for the group text. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, you know, I, as long as none of you guys ever go Ted Cruz's friends on me and, uh, and leak it. Wow. Jeez. You get political on here, huh? I'm not getting political. I just couldn't believe that like these friends. <laughs> what did hiding private... do to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't She's know where to though, right? Um, Jesus Christ (laughs) Eddie cannot go a podcast without shitting on someone's wife I think I I mean if there's anybody that is most deserving it is 100% Theodore Cruz (laughs) oh my god the power is back on Uh, everything is it was 70 degrees yesterday uh, you're out, you're about, you're getting back into the world. Some of you guys are getting your vaccinations. Uh, you need to go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, uh, and get yourself, treat yourself to some new socks, uh, because you're getting back out there in the world. And especially, uh, with the temperatures no longer freezing, uh, you probably, you're, you're not too far from having shorts on, uh, on a, on a regular basis. And you know, you want to get some of those no-shows uh, from Dead Soxy. Uh, they're great just wearing around the house, wearing to the grocery store, whatever. Uh, pillowy uh, and uh, just great-looking socks, all kinds of different variations you can get. Uh, Eddie, I know uh, you say that uh, you wear them on the golf course all the time. Yeah, I actually broke them out on Monday or uh, Tuesday just because it was so nice out. When it gets out to 70, the uh, no-show socks are going on, and that's what I will live in from about, I don't know, the middle of April until, uh, until, until I have to wear some longer socks. So uh, they're great with the golf shoe as well. You're not able to see them, especially on some of the low-cut golf socks so, or golf shoes. Uh, I can't tell you all about them enough, and there's been plenty of people wanting to know how they can get them. Just go to deadsoxy.com, use that promo code uh, BOOMER, uh, and you'll get 30% off your uh, entire order. That's promo code BOOMER. Uh, 30% off of uh, your Dead Soxy order, your full order. Uh, great company, great working with them. And uh, we've got some things coming down the pipeline, uh, some special uh, socks that uh, you're going to want to keep your eye out for. Uh, we'll let you know all about that. But deadsoxy.com, go check them out. 30% off using that promo code, Boomer. 
uh, for all Sooner Scoop uh, podcast listeners and subscribers. Uh, remember, stay soxy. Uh, okay, let's let's talk a little bit about spring football. Um, I, I, I guess Jason just kind of will start with you. Uh, it will start, you know, late March. There will be a spring game late April. Um, there will not be recruits there, which is really I don't understand at all at this point. Um, but obviously Spencer Rattler now, and we talked a lot about it. I think Jason, even we talked about this, uh, after the cotton bowl, just how much different his demeanor was as the season went on to where you really felt like this was his team, uh, toward the end of the season. Like he, he is the voice. He is the face. He is the spokesperson for the team, which is going to make it really interesting with a, a, a young guy coming in like Caleb Williams, uh, who, you know, I, I think all young guys do. They think, okay, I'm going to go in and this is going to be an open competition. Not really sure that it is. I mean, coaches can say that, but we all know Spencer Rattler is going to be the quarterback next year uh, as long as he's healthy. But outside of that, I mean, I, have you gotten any indication that Kennedy Brooks will be participating in spring football this year? Not that he would do a lot, you know, as, as most returning running backs don't in a situation like that. Live stuff, yeah. anyway. Yeah, I, I don't guess I've heard definitively whether he will. I'm, I've always kind of assumed that him and Jalen Redmond both would be uh, involved. I know Jalen came back for the for the Cotton Bowl yeah. uh, preparation, but um, but certainly the way those guys get reintegrated. Um, I, I'm really interested to see how the Tennessee guys, the, the transfers, fit in. I mean, there's the three of them are so critical, and I and Bob, you, I think you may have written about this, but like they're so critical um, as basically members of this this already really good recruiting class. And you bring in three guys that are experienced in positions where you need help. Um, I mean, that could really be the difference in in whether OU you know, gets to the playoff or wins a playoff game or doesn't. So, I mean, that, that's going to be interesting, but back to your point about Spencer Rattler. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I felt like really that everything changed that Texas game when he got benched and didn't pout and didn't yeah, handle uh, it well, take it badly and handled it really well, came back, played a hell of a second half was great in overtime. And from that point on, he was excellent for the rest of the season with very few exceptions. And, and yeah, his, uh, his the way he talked in in our press conferences as the year went on, you just got the sense this is his team now. So yeah, Caleb Williams is a really exciting, obviously young prospect and going to be potentially a great player to OU. But he's not going to. I mean, he's not going to play this year. I mean, he, maybe next year after if Spencer Rattler has a big year and, and goes to the draft. Do you think Spencer could leave after this year? Yeah, I, I do because I just have a hard time country, saying I mean, that. I have, I mean, I have a guy that's been a one-year starter, and it'll be a, in his second year. But I mean, I, it wouldn't shock me because Kyler, you know, did it. But Kyler also, his hand was kind of forced in that, you know, he had the baseball deal, uh, and then he won a Heisman, and he was never going to be hotter. And he, you know, he'd been on campus for three years at that point. Harry, uh, I mean, do you know he's? A He's number one. He's going to be the number one quarterback going into the right. season next year. I mean, if yeah. he has a really good yeah. season, you can't turn down the. I, I wouldn't think that it's not like a Trevor Lawrence situation where everybody knew that he was going to go. But I mean, he has a good season next year. He's probably going to be in New York City, probably going to be pushing to be the number one quarterback taken. 
I would I would have to hear like the reasons why he wouldn't come back or, yeah. or why he that, wouldn't go. Yeah, Eddie, that's that's exactly right. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, I look around the rest of the country. I mean, Justin Fields is gone. Trevor Lawrence is gone. Kyle Trask is gone. I mean, who? Spencer Rattler is you know arguably the the best returning quarterback in America. Or at yeah, least Zach Wilson's gone. I mean. Other than the uh, kid from Coastal Carolina, which I haven't seen a lot of him, I'll admit. I mean, I don't know how big of a pro prospect he's going to be highly touted. Howl at Carolina. Howl yeah, at Carolina. Howl at Carolina. So Selden or uh, what's the kid's name? Clovis Selden. What the fuck is the kid's name from Southern Cal? <laughs> Somebody help me. Keaton Slovis. God. Keaton Slovis. <laughs> I yeah. I just could not think of it. And then yeah, Sam Howell's. You're right, Bob. Yep. But none of those names are like scare like scare you as like oh they're they're better than Rattler, I I wouldn't think that at all, going into the season. That would be so weird. I don't know what's going to happen in Philadelphia. I I don't I can't see Jalen Hurts being a, a full time starting quarterback in the NFL, uh, in in a you know very successful one. But I can't imagine Lincoln Riley having four quarterbacks in the NFL starting at one time. Yeah, like how how big can that number get if Jalen keeps starting, Spencer becomes a starter, Caleb Williams? I mean, <laughs> how big could that number get? I mean, he could have seven at some point. I would bet. I don't like I said though. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to remain a starter in the NFL. Well, I, I think you could add one to that number when uh, Tanner Schaefer finally gets his shot and uh, <laughs> you know, as an undrafted free agent and and. Proves why he should have been playing all along, right, Bob? And he need so you do need a quarterback for pro day. This is Tanner Schaefer, the Schaefer's choice. This is his time. That's right. Pro day's gonna be huge for him. OU's gonna claim Chandler Morris, right? When he wins the Heisman, he's gonna be put on all the Heisman graphics. If the like uh, do with Kyler, sure. Or like what uh, what Texas is doing with. uh, with Devontae Smith and yes, uh, yeah, and all the Alabama stuff. I hope that's that'd be great. Outside of that, I I mean, Bob, is there? I mean, anything spring? Do you think Jeff Banks' wife tries to have sex with a player. <laughs> oh <this year>? God. <laughs> Bob, uh, do we need another long bleep this this week, Eddie? From you? What? Uh. Bob, let's. I I wanted to get your thoughts as well. I mean, outside of the Tennessee transfers, which uh, you know, and, and you're you're just starting your breakdowns on on Sooner Scoop uh, for spring and things like that. But what are kind of some of the storylines, the first ones that you thought of uh, writing about heading into spring? You got to look at the secondary, right? I mean, you lose Brown, you knew that. Then Norwood, then Buki. Although we have no clue what he's doing. It's been three weeks now since he put his name in the portal and nothing's really changed there. I mean, does Bryson Washington step up? Is Justin Harrington going to be fully back to where we can see what he ends up doing? Jaden Davis should be healthy now. So that competition between him, Woody and DJ Graham, it's gotta be the secondary. You know, these are the guys now that Alex Grinch and Roy Manning wanted to bring in. So, okay, let's see what this group can really do is Jeremiah Cradell make that next step and how do all these pieces fit and how does Keyshawn Lawrence fit into that that five five man puzzle? So that's 
the num- the number one position group that I'll definitely be watching. And I know we, you know, yeah, the, we the, haven't been down on the field, Eddie, this year yeah. uh, as much. I mean, you were at the you were at the Cotton Bowl. You were that was the closest you'd been really all year to be in field level. Uh, well, that in the training order. But people uh, that haven't seen Justin Harrington up close, I mean, to me, he is the poster boy for what Alex Grinch is trying to do with size in the secondary and Keyshawn Lawrence yeah. coming in. I mean. It's gonna be you're you're losing some good players and some playmakers in in, in uh, Trey Norwood and, and Trey Brown, but my God, it's it 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 probably the closest it's ever been to looking more like an Alabama defense with the size that is coming in uh, at, at the defensive back position, especially. Yeah, and I mean, I I think that it's it's kind of fun now to see the fruits of the labor on the recruiting trail and what it. Uh, could pay off for them in developing a secondary that is kind of what Alex Grinch has wanted for the longest time. You know, the the kind of the one of the bigger question marks right now is just, and I think I know how this is going to go, but like I would have figured by now that Buki would have found a home, and he's still active in the transfer portal as of uh, you know Wednesday morning. I don't necessarily think that uh, I wouldn't say that the door is closed for him to return to Oklahoma. I, I mean, what the last time we talked to Lincoln, that was far from the case. But I still think that he probably moves on, right? He's not he's not going to be participating in the spring with Oklahoma, I wouldn't think. You would think that they would want to know if he was coming back right. than to go through a spring and take reps from someone else when he might transfer out. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I I would almost think that there's some type of, you know, gentleman's agreement, like, if you take your name out of the transport portal, you can't come and just work out and then all of a sudden ghost us, you know, when the summer is. <laughs> Has he posted anything on Instagram? I, he hasn't done well, anything I on mean, Twitter, but out outside of the the usual, uh, you know, like he, he tagged TJ Pledger in a thing that talking about they're gonna hear us or some shit. I it, nothing nothing notable. I thought someone said there's like a he did something in the last week that gave people thoughts that maybe he was coming back, but I oh, wasn't sure. Yeah, it was, it was something to the effect that it was it was something on his Instagram story, something to the effect of uh, something met his brother. It was just a picture with him and a bunch of the guys from the team. No. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't seem to be a place for him. I mean, if if you know, everything works out. I mean, you've got young, you know, cornerbacks that look really good. You're going to have more. I mean, uh, we've talked about before, Delarian Turner-Yell has not been as good as we think he could be. Uh, but, you know, you add Keyshawn Lawrence, you add Harrington, um, you know, you, you, you bring in more young guys. Maybe you can move one of those corners around if you wanted to. But I'll tell you this, I mean, DJ Graham and Woody Washington, to me, two of the best corners and like I said Jaden Davis has not been you know extremely healthy but I, I they have not been in that good a position at corner that I can remember heading into a season since probably the early to mid 2000s I I was going to ask do you guys think while we're on the subject of the secondary do you guys think that Delarian Turner Yell and, and Pat Fields are your two starting safeties next year or or again or is that going to change as as they've gotten bigger and, and brought in their own guys game one or game seven right that's been our discussion game one or yeah. game or heading I, into I the middle think, of the like, season 
the 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 big question mark like out there is like what Tennessee transfer is going to uh, have the most impact in 2021. And like you could make the argument that it'd be Wanye Morris at the beginning of the season, but if he settles into an offensive starting role on the offensive line, like I think you can make the argument by you know five six mid season that it ends up being Key Lawrence because I do think that he's not only going to play but play quite a bit. I mean, he's he's kind of like Justin Harrington as far as it goes, looking freaky physically. And yeah. you know Grinch is high on him because he's been recruiting him for the last two, three years. And he sure. said that when he talked to us you know, a few weeks ago. It's like, you can say he was a transfer, but he's like, this is like one of the kids that I've known the most over the last you know, two, three years. And now he's you know finally here. So it doesn't feel all all that different and he's and because of covid you know he's a true freshman and morris and gray are just sophomores so it's it feels like none of these guys should be a one-year rental and i think that can kind of get you excited too i mean if morris is incredible maybe he leaves but i I don't think he'll leave that early but i mean these are guys that should become i don't want to say faces of the program but they should become prominent members of this team for the next couple years you know, I, I'll talk to Joe Castiglione here in the not-too-distant future about, you know, next, humble brag. next season. Um, not a humble brag, just we talk every once in a while. Um, but, I'm, you know, it's just nice that there's a schedule that's been released with full games where you can look at it and know there's going to be a full season next year. I'm curious what you guys just how you look at next season, like what do you think it's going to look like? Do you think it's full capacity? Do you think it's 75%? What would your guess be right now? As close to full capacity as you could possibly. I, I mean, I guess there's no way of like saying it's going to be 20. I, it'll be much more over 50 or much closer to 100% than I think it will be to closer to 20%. I mean, is that too much? I would say I my biggest question is how many places are going to be sellouts? Like will the, uh, n- like not everywhere not, that can. Well, I'm saying but you don't think that a certain amount of a certain segment of the population will just say, "You know what? I'm going to wait a year before I go back to sports." Oh, I think that there definitely will be, but I mm-hmm. think there's also a segment of society that's going to say, "I don't care. I've missed this so much that I want to be there." Like, and I, I think it's going to be rather interesting, like, especially at the beginning of the season. I could see teams, like, not struggling to play on the road, but I definitely think there's going to be, like, an element of, ah, we haven't done this in a year. There's going to be communication problems. There's going to be, like, I, I guess what I'm saying is there, the home field advantage, I think, will be much stronger in 2021 than it's ever been at some places, namely places like in Oklahoma or you know, wherever, Texas or A&M or wherever. Really, anywhere in the Big 12, if you're talking. I mean, rabid, rabid fan bases, I guess. Absolutely. Even for Western Carolina. uh, Sure. People are going to just be going absolutely nuts throughout all next season. What do you think, Percy? I I was, sorry. I would say, what do you think about, you know, capacity and people and, you know, stadiums Uh, and. 
I think there'll be as many people in the stadium as are allowed in the stadium. I mean, I think that if if they let 75% in, I think 75% will be full. And if they let the whole 84 or whatever thousand it is in the stadium, then I think uh, it'll be packed out. I mean, I, I, I think that after all that we've been through in the last, I mean, by the time the season opener comes, we will have been in this shit for what, a year and a half, maybe more than a year and a half. Well, we're, I, we're I just coming I up think, on a one year anniversary every, uh, in what uh, March 11th is when the March. Rudy Gobert thing happened. Yep. Yeah. The Rudy Gobert and Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson on the same night. When we all thought the world was ending. Allegedly can't prove that they ever had it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, But no, I, I, I think it's going to be as full as they'll allow it. Oh my God. What, what did this turn into a Q podcast or or what? Um, (laughs) No, I I think, I, I think that it'll be as full as they let it. (sighs) I think Eddie's just acting out because he knows he has two bidet users on the podcast this week. You know, Carrie, I'm glad you said that because I was going to, I wanted to, I, I want to publicly thank you for encouraging me to get a bidet. So, um, it's life changing. Uh, I, you know, I feel, I feel like I owe you, you know, some sort of gift or something uh, for giving me the gift of the bidet. Even though you didn't actually give me the bidet. No, yourself. no, I just convinced you that it was the way to go. But it's and, been, and yeah, it was. It's been a revelation, has it? Was, it? Yeah, yeah. I, I well, I've been, I've been, you know, asking my wife if we can get a bidet for years, and uh, you, you know, your encouragement, me talking to her more about it, annoying her. I think she got so annoyed by it. I mean, it was one of my Christmas presents this year, and uh, it's the greatest gift I've ever received. I think. Now, is she a user as well? Uh yeah, I think that she's come around a little bit. It's, it's, look, it's like you said, Carrie, I, I feel like I'm enlightened now. I feel like I'm, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I can never go back to the old way. What did you do when your power went out? It still worked. Oh, okay. It still worked. Yeah, it still worked. Hired somebody to gargle water and just, they <laughs> sat underneath them. <laughs> that's, that's oh. the athletic way. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, not going to go over well on the message boards. I guarantee you, the podcast thread is going to go off the rails uh, this week. So, why are, are your subscribers all anti bidet or what? They're just anti cursy, I think. Oh well, that's I guarantee, that guarantee you. One of the first responses uh, when we announced that here's this week's podcast starring Jason Kersey, immediately somebody's going to say pass. Uh, well, you know, that's their prerogative, I guess. I don't know why you generate so much, I don't know, whatever it is, hostility. I, you know, I don't know. It, it, it it is what it is. It doesn't bother me nearly as bad as it used to. It's what happens when you're blue in a red state, I guess, huh? I, I guess, I guess that's, uh, I guess that's probably part of it. Are you uncomfortable now? A little bit. <laughs> I guess a little I guess bit. We do. Look, I guess what? Look, I, I, uh, you know, people, people, uh, you know, don't want to listen or don't want to read my stuff. That's that's their their right. But I, I, 
I try to be nice to everybody. I, I, I really do. And uh, I, you know, I, I hope that all of your subscribers don't hate me. Maybe this can be an olive branch. Look, it's the message boards. They hate all of us. All right. They hate us all equally. We all have not doing something if they don't hate you. Yeah, we all have our, you know, I'm canceling because of Murdoch days or Josh days or Eddie days. Bob usually, I mean, Bob is so, he's so Switzerland. He's the most Switzerland of us all. I would say he doesn't, well, Bob, I mean, he, but even Bob yeah, has Bob, people that come after him. Jeez. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I guess what, you know, you guys uh, are responsible from what I understand for Tristan Lee picking Clemson. Uh, is that, is that, do I have that correct? Well, Josh was supposed to go drop a bag off. And lo and behold, he ended up spending it on the girls. So not only are we mixed up with the mafia now, but they didn't get Tristan Lee. I would say that the Kamar Wheaton saga is my least favorite thing that's happened during COVID. COVID times. So, well, yeah. Well, Eddie, so what you're saying is is that uh, Josh did like what uh, Walter did in the Big Lebowski. He just threw yeah, back yeah. Dirt. <laughs> Back of dirty underwear at him at Tristan yeah. Lee. Yeah, yeah. He tried to outsmart him. Well, you know when when a kid just flat out lies to coaches. I mean, that's a first. I mean, that was just an absolute first. Oh, it was incredible. That was that was quite the uh, quite the experience. I'm so I'm gonna be so ready to get over like, and I think that like we all are just as far as like getting back to actually going to events and stuff. But from a recruiting standpoint, it's just so tough to, and I don't even have to do it as much as like Josh and Bob's like, I don't know how you're supposed to be guessing what an 18 year old's thinking when they can't take visits to a place that uh, they've never been. Yeah. I mean, it's... I can't imagine making that decision of going to college. Uh, if I had the opportunity that some of these kids had that, uh, you know, never have gone to Norman or Stillwater. Or wherever. Well, I mean, and well, that's the thing. There, the, the NCAA, even though I thought it was a stupid decision, they put more caveats on the end of it than they ever have. Basically, saying, "Look, we know that this is going to piss a bunch of people off, uh, and we're going to make sure that everything is ready to go when this period runs out, and we're even going to start, you know, issuing guidelines before the period runs out." Uh, in how it's all going to work when it gets back, you know, closer to normal. Uh, but I, look, once people start getting vaccinated and the hospital numbers start going down and the deaths start going down, people, even before they lift restrictions, people are going to start going and visiting places. It's just going to happen. I, I think that we're already, you know, for some people, we're probably already there. I mean, my, my thought is, and I know this isn't original, uh, look, I took the, I have taken the pandemic seriously and I do take the pandemic seriously, but this is just, it's, it's cruel. I think to that, that these kids have been, this dead period's gone on for so long It because it affects the people that it affects the most are the kids who don't have the money to, yeah. to go on a trip to the yeah. sooner summit. I mean, that's who it affects the most. And you're asking these kids to to sign at a place they've never visited. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, some of these guys that 
that we're in that situation at OU are definitely going to leave. But I think you're going to have a lot. The transfer portal is going to be nuts next year because of this. And uh, and continuing this on, I just think it's cruel. I think it's really cruel. You, If they found a way to make having 20,000 fans in the stands safe for these games, then surely to God they can figure out a way to make official visits safe. Well, I, I think that uh, <laughs> if they could make money off of it, they would have already figured out a way and these kids would be taking visits. They would have been taking visits. You know, speaking of the transfer portal, too, I guess we do have to mention that uh, the long, illustrious career of Theo Howard came to an end today with his announcement that he will, or I guess not announcement, but his entrance into the transfer portal. Still no word on Obi Obiallo. And he I doesn't believe earlier, he exists. I am not 100% convinced that is a real person. <laughs> I know that he played in the game. Uh, where was that? Up in Ames? I'm not convinced that's a real person. I was there, and I don't remember it. So it might have just been a scorebook error that they never corrected. I mean, he, he he got on Zoom with us once during the preseason. He did. Yeah, I forgot about that. And he was it, was it was a lovely visit. Yeah, he was a great kid. Great to talk to. And then we never saw him again. <laughs> Literally. No, never did. I mean, his only tweets, me and Bob have texted and joked about this for months, but I mean, his only tweets for a while were about video games. Like, I don't even know if he was on the team. (laughs) I mean, I really don't. God, that's so great. And there's really no, I mean, and the thing about it is with these Zoom calls, you get like one question. So there's never really a time to ask questions like, where is Obi-Obiallo and what's wrong with him? Like... It it never there was never really a chance for it to come up. So like you never got any indication of was he hurt? How bad was he hurt? Is it is he dinged up or is he legitimately if injured? The, if it wasn't the pandemic, I think we would just say he took a red shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, you guys mentioned you know how unfair it is to the kids. It's really unfair to the coaches, too, because the NCAA, they're going to be cleaning up this mess for years because there's going to be a lot of kids that get to campuses, they're not happy, they're not playing, and they're going to want to transfer. And you're just going to have this continuous transfer um, of kids in the NCAA. Basically, they're going to have no choice but just to let kids transfer without any eligibility issues. Yeah, they're they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do that. And and the other thing that's gonna get really messy and complicated. This was a problem even before the pandemic, that you've got hundreds of kids going into the portal, and there's not a place for every yeah. one of them yeah. in the country. When you add in the incoming recruiting classes, I mean, a lot of these kids who think that they're gonna go from OU to Florida or OU to South Carolina or something are gonna end up at you know Tarleton State or something. I mean, there's just not enough room. So it's going to get really messy, I think, for for the next several years. the The impact of this could could res, could reverberate for years. And who really knows? I mean, you you've gotten to know Buki and his family more than anyone, um, just from some of the feature writing that you've done on him over the years. But like, maybe that's his situation. Is he he thought he was going to go back out west, but you have a, you know a recruiting class come in, uh, and you don't have uh, you know, good confirmation whether or not you could go to the schools that you wanted to go to. 
because they just don't know at this point. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's certainly possible. I mean, I, I haven't I haven't really heard much on that about what's going on with Buki. I kind of am just as in the dark as 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 everybody. But um, I you know I I think that could get complicated. I mean, some other guys have have been able to find homes, but the thing about Buki is I, I you know I. I Maybe this is gonna, you know, get me get your uh, message board all riled up. I don't know, but I mean, I still don't think that he was nearly as bad as everybody thought he was. I think he's a good player, not a great player, not a five star player, but a good player. And um, I would imagine that there are teams out on the West Coast that could use him, and he would play and play well for them. Well, Eddie can tell you this. I I I stuck up for him on the boards, and like I I just didn't get the the. The the vitriol that was you know that was thrown at him, like he the LSU thing is inexcusable. You can't excuse that from happening. And then he had the play against Oklahoma State where he got the penalty. Uh, that wasn't a big deal though. I mean that was and they ended up punting. I think and then he had a he had a, a or they scored on that drive. But he also had a personal foul. I was because I looked this up because I think I got in a fight with Carson Cunningham on Twitter about this. Uh, who I like, Carson. I I I, I don't have. I'm I'm not gonna shit on him at all. Uh, but we got into it because he was kind of taking that position of you know, Buki is a is a is a you know he's he's not any good and he's trash and he he all he does is get penalties. But I went and looked it up in like the entire year he had that Oklahoma State and he had the Iowa State. Uh, he got a, a personal foul in that game, but. Iowa State punted on that drive like it didn't cost them so it's like people have all the and and the other thing that they were so mad about the Iowa State game you can't really fault Buki because he kept getting you know put in situations where he was one-on-one with Charlie Kohler I mean that was a mismatch uh and that was up to Alex Grinch to figure that out and he never did and it and it and the same with Pat Fields I mean they killed him with the tight ends in in the red zone that entire game but that's not like a that's not like a character issue with it. And people can't let go of the sledgehammer and all that stuff. It's just all these things that right. that fans love to. For some reason, we've had this discussion before, Eddie. I mean, with Tom Wart. I mean, there's always some guy that the fans latch onto as being the reason that they're not as good as they are, and it's never fair. What do you guys think? I, I've wondered this a lot. What What do you guys think if Buki had been a low four-star, three-star sort of guy, and then everything else in his career was exactly the same. Do you think he would be hated as much? No. Not at all. I, I mean, it, yeah, I, don't even, I don't even think that that is a... Like, it didn't take me any time to think about that. When you come in with that, with high expectations, you pick off Trevor Lawrence in the U.S. Army All-American game, and considering what when he came to Norman, when he arrived at Norman... I think there was a little bit of anger that was built up. Like there was almost like an extra reserve of Mike Stoops anger that all of a sudden fell to the feet of Buki, Yeah, which, you know, is, uh, it's unfair, but at the same time, uh, you know, if you're going to be out there like he is on social media and stuff like that, you kind of, you don't necessarily, I guess, help yourself. And not to say that he was seeking the attention either. I mean, I think that's just, I guess as a whole, that's part of the problem with, Social media, you know, I like if you're going to be out there, people are going to take shots at you. 
He's, he's the most polarizing figure that I think I've ever covered at Oklahoma. It, it's it's just one of those things. I mean, co- even pre-COVID, we got to know Buki really well. And, I mean, for people that don't know and have never spoken to him personally, he is a great kid. A great kid. Like, you, you, I think we all can judge people pretty well after interviewing them, you know, especially five, six times in person. And, you know, I, I'm always one of those people like, well, you know, maybe he's he says things to our faces and he does he's not really that guy. Like, I feel like I can tell those people apart. I think Buki, in the, in the way that Lincoln Riley has talked about him and the fact that he came out and said, I, I hope he doesn't transfer because he's good for our locker room. Like, I totally believe all that stuff because just interviewing him in person before COVID... Uh, he was always getting interviewed, you know, in a in a situation where he was coming off of a negative uh, or things weren't going that well. And you would always talk to him and you'd be like, man, that's a that kid's got his head on his shoulders. Right. Well, I, I, I remember after the Peach Bowl, I mean, and look, that that play in the Peach Bowl is indefensible. It's one of the most yeah. foolish plays I've ever seen because of all of it. I mean, they were still in the game at that point. It was third down. He, that guy was completely away from the play. It was just a bad, bad, bad moment. But after that game in the locker room, cause those locker rooms are open. I mean, I went up to him and he was really upset, but he talked to me and he didn't have to. And I know that may not mean anything to some people, but I think that's a really good sign of his maturity. I, I think he's a great kid too. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just, it's unfortunate. It, I I don't ever remember a player that was so beloved by his teammates and by his coaches and was so hated by the fans. Like that that is where the polarization seems to have come in. And I just think it's it's interesting. It's sad. I don't think he deserved a lot of what he got. But um, so anyway, yeah, it's 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 just odd because you know the defense has played so well the last couple of years, and he's been a part of that. It's just, I I think you kind of hit it. I don't know, Eddie or Jason, who which of you said it, but it's kind of like that that Mike Stoops anger has been displaced and put on him. I really think that's a big part of what's going on. It's like people are used to just being angry at someone on defense. You can't be angry at Alex Grinch, so let's be angry at Buki. And with all that said, I think that like it could be very productive for both groups if you know, they just break away from each other. Like, like we talked about, I think that they have plenty of talent in the secondary that's ready to step up. And, you know, I, I think that maybe a new, uh, or a, I guess a, uh, like a new setting would, would work out well for him. Jason, are, are, are you surprised that, uh, Alex Grinch is still here? Sorry, Carrie. Did you ask me that? Yeah. Yeah. Are you, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, not, not really. I mean, I, I think this, I, I've said this, I wrote this. I think this will be his last year uh, at OU. I mean, I think that with as good as they've been the last two years with as, as market improvement as they've made, uh, between each season, I, I think that he'll be a head coach at this time next year. But, um, but I, I always sort of got the sense and, and I don't know if you guys got this sense as well, but I always sort of got the sense that. Alex was was not going to leave quickly. I think he wanted to to stay in one place for a while. This is a guy that moved around a lot. I mean, his family has been to, you know, Wyoming, Missouri, Ohio, Washington State. 
I mean, he's moved around a lot. I kind of got the sense that he wanted to put his feet on the ground for a little bit someplace and maybe try to build something before taking that next step. And he's still very young uh, by coaching standards. So, um, I, I, no, I'm, I'm not terribly surprised that he's still here, but I, I don't think it'll be much longer. Yeah, I think, you know, the Arizona job was out there and, and you wonder how selective he's going to be or... I wonder, like, how much counsel he gets from, like, Bob Stoops, um, you know, people around here uh, that can tell him, you know, what is worth jumping at and what isn't. But, you know, you heard his name a little bit with Boise, but you knew they were probably going to stay within the kind of Peterson family. And then, you know, the UCF was such a mess with losing the athletic director and getting a new one. And then, I, I mean, that hire... I, I getting Gus Malzahn, I think was was a big get for them. I mean, really, it, it feels it, it feels like there's been a shift in the way that assistant coaches and particularly coaches like an Alex Grinch and maybe Brent Venables is the poster boy for that for this. But it feels like taking the opportunity to go to a G five school or something lower is just not worth it as much these days as it is staying in one place, making a really damn good living. I mean, not everybody's making $2 million like Venables, but I think everybody would agree that Alex Grinch is uh, being paid quite handsomely. And then you wait, basically, on the big job. And, you know, maybe it doesn't work out for a couple guys, but and we'll see how it works out for Shane Beamer, which I think that, you know, Kersey, you talked to him uh Quite often, I think I I hope he's successful at South Carolina. It's going to be a really tough job, but at the same time, I just feel like taking that stepping stone job and saying, "Okay, I'm an Alex Grinch that I'm going to go take a like ten years ago when Mike left to go to Arizona. If if we were you know twenty years ago, I think Alex Grinch probably would have been interested in that job. Nowadays, like the defense coordinator at Oklahoma is just a much much better job than being the head coach at Arizona." I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean, Arizona is such a mess right now. I mean, yeah, God, they were so bad. bad. Like, like like a Louisiana Tech or, you know, some kind of directional school. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just caught in the moment, but I feel like more and more coordinators are saying, I'm going to wait, make my, you know, one and a half million wherever, and maybe I'll wait for a – Purdue to open up or something like that. Yeah. Those group of five jobs are kind of tough because, you know, you can, you can get there and get stuck there. I mean, I did, does anybody really, can anybody say that they thought Seth Luttrell would still be North Texas's head coach now? If you know, you ask, I mean, I, if, if you ask Seth Luttrell, he'd probably tell you he should have left last year because now he has to work back up that hill. Doesn't he? Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he had, good seasons before that and you can kind of get a COVID pass a little bit but it wasn't good last year um and he's not he's not a hot name now I mean he's not making that jump until you know unless they get climb back up that hill this year yeah but I mean that's the thing you got it you have to want to be a head coach really really bad or you have to be coming from you know like Alex Grinch he can sit and wait. I mean, he's got a high-profile job. He'll be a high-profile candidate. Somebody like Seth Luttrell, 
Uh, or even Gus Malzahn, he, he got fired. I mean, he didn't have a job. So it's kind of like you look at Kevin Sumlin. I mean, started at Houston, built that, went to Texas A&M, lost that job, ended up at Arizona, which is not an ideal place. Uh, as we know, we've known plenty of coaches that have not gotten it done there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the the thing about Alex Grinch is He's so high profile now, he's got to take a high profile job unless he just so badly wants to be a head coach, he'll take a group of five job that he that he believes he could be successful in that would get him the next job. But, I mean, being a defensive coordinator, it's not so much about the money, but being a defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, that helps you skip having to go and build something in a group of five program. It, it, I mean, like... You think about like back to Kevin Wilson when he was the offensive coordinator. He badly wanted a head coaching job. He didn't get it at Iowa State. He didn't get it at Southern Miss. He ended up going to Indiana. Uh, it just because he he just desperately wanted a head coaching job. Um, and and what he took what he could get. So what you're saying yeah, is, is Alex Grinch will be named the head coach at Oklahoma State when. <laughs> That would the, be interesting. The only job that opened up that I really thought Grinch would be a maybe a candidate for, and I'm not even sure he ever was, was Missouri. And that was only because of his connections to Pinkle and yeah. because his parents still live in Columbia. That was the only reason I thought – that was the only time I thought when that job opened, I thought, well, maybe. But Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, that was a little concerning. But, yeah, I haven't – there hasn't been anything where I've just thought – you know, you had to kind of chase it down or at least ask around, but I never got the sense he was a serious candidate or he just didn't pursue some of the openings that were out there, which I think could be a possibility too. So, by the way, uh, last thing I want to ask you about, Kersey, um, what do you think about the Joe John Finley? I know we haven't got to talk to him yet. Um, I, I covered him when he was here. So, you know, I, I know quite a bit about him, but what were your thoughts on, on the hire, especially being a guy that was going to replace Shane Beamer? I mean, I think it's a good hire. I mean, he's a guy who obviously knows OU and, and has had a lot of success in his coaching career so far and has kind of become a hot name. But um, the thing about the the hire that maybe I was the most interested in and um, is just the fact that now like fully half of Lincoln Riley's staff are, are former players. I mean, that's uh that's pretty rare yeah. that there are that many former players on one staff. And I, and to be honest with you, I don't know if that's a good thing or if it's not a good thing or if it even matters. I just think it's really interesting. And I know Lincoln kind of addressed that the last time we talked to him without anyone asking about it, about how that's not the reason he hires these guys, but, but it is pretty interesting. I mean, Five former players on one staff. I, has that ever happened in OU history? I, I really don't know. Mm, I don't know. I mean, we're the yeah. I don't think that they're not not a, not this many at one time, right? I, I'm trying right, to. I, yeah. You have to go back, back, way back. I mean, like I'm trying to think. Like even like wasn't uh, one of the Salmons coached at OU there for a little bit? Right. Yeah. When Marcus Dupree was around, yeah, but I can't really like, like Galen Hall and those guys. He wasn't an OU guy, was he? He went to like Minnesota or some shit, didn't he? I don't even want to pretend to know. Yeah, I have no idea. History doesn't start for me until after 1987. Me too. 
I disregard any type of uh, history prior. Jason, I will let you air any and all grievances about the ranking of uh, Noble Bear players, if you want, before you get out of here. Uh, <laughs> I don't need to do that. I just like to give Josh shit on Twitter about it. Um, you know, but, but because I, you know, I always tell him that he's uh, underranking them because of me, which maybe he is. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he's putting his thumb on the scale um, because I give him so much shit. I, I guess I wouldn't blame him uh, for that, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't need to do that. I'm, I'm here as uh, Josh's surrogate today, apparently. So I, you know, I feel like I shouldn't shit on him too much. Will you be working on um, individual stories for from the uh, the pride of Oklahoma and what they went through last year with COVID? Uh, I, I don't think any of those people will talk to me. Uh, so you you broke up. Did you say only the liberal members of the Pride of Oklahoma? I, I don't even know about them. I, I think they all probably don't 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 want to talk to me because of a couple of uh, tweets that I that I sent out that I really didn't mean to either of them to be insulting to the band necessarily, but that's how they came off, and you know here we are. I. You know, I, you guys, uh, you guys have given me a hard time about that because several years ago at the Oklahoma and I wrote one story because I was forced to about the, the whole deal, which actually is your fault, Carrie, because, oh, I, 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 I will never, uh, I, I have a life free pass for championing, uh, the cause of getting rid of the stupid show tunesy, uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call that. I, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, when they were trying to, they were trying to Broadway up uh, the uh, Max, what's his name, um, uh, the big donor that was that wanted him to make it all Broadway-ish. Uh, last timer. Yeah, um, and uh, we we him doing a three-act play. If he could. we played it on the morning show and got everybody riled up like this is what you're going to hear this season and the band <laughs> hated it they didn't want to do it but because uh Max Westheimer apparently was basically in charge of hiring the new band director i think the didn't the band director end up resigning over that whole deal yes yes yeah yeah you cost a man his job carrie <laughs> um, <laughs> That is a great story. All I did, all I did was was prevent the inevitable because that dude was going to lose his job. No, once the fans heard that in the pregame while while the drum major was standing on the field, can you, I probably should have just let it go cuz that would have been glorious cuz literally <laughs> I think people would have been throwing things at him on the field. Hell yeah, they would have yeah. been. It would have been awesome. And yeah. I remember they yeah, tried so, they tried to delete that from Facebook, but as everyone knows, the internet is undefeated, and it just kept coming back and coming back. Yeah, and it was because you guys played it on the air, got everybody riled up, that I then was forced to uh, you know go down and 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 write about it and call up members of the band, and uh, then I started then I started getting calls from Pride of Oklahoma alums. They're like, hey. I got some information for you. And I'm like, God, this is totally out of control. <laughs> like, this you isn't, had moles I, coming I, I out of the woodwork. The, 
I'm the you know damn Woodward and Bernstein of the <laughs> band controversy, all because of you. You're meeting so. you're meeting band alumni in the parking lot <laughs> to get information on the band director. There really yeah. was. I mean, so. that really was. You were in the middle of a. It was. It was a. a, a I would call it a, a. Well, I don't know what to call it. A, a campaign to basically destroy the band director. Yeah. The, well, the, yeah. And then the problem with the, the tweets was that once I said it was during halftime of the West Virginia game, I think in 15, they had brought back the, the 1985 national championship team, which included Ricky Dixon. And, you know, he was in really bad shape Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and he hadn't been back in forever. And they rushed the, the team out and then rushed them off the field at halftime to get the band out there. And I just said, Hey, you've got Ricky Dixon here. This was really hard for him to get here. Why not devote the whole halftime to the 85 Sooners? And uh, and that caused just a shit show in my Twitter mentions when the band got a hold of it. Um, I had one guy write an open letter to me about the reasons why the band is important. Um, it was just psychotic. And then at the Peach Bowl, I, I joked at halftime that – the OU band shouldn't even be allowed on the field because of how bad the football team played. <laughs> I didn't actually mean that, but that the, the actual there's Pride no of sense of humor Twitter account yeah. responded to me. Yeah, I remember that now. So, uh, so yeah, I don't hate the band. Uh, I really don't, but uh, you know, but they're very sensitive. I also and think you wish that they would be. Sometimes you guys need to calm down. That's gonna go over blah, well. Blah. <laughs> well, I wish I had a trumpet. <laughs> Uh, Jason, I really appreciate you taking some time out and hanging out with us. It was good having you back on the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. And, uh, folks, if you want to start a dump Josh campaign, uh, this is your time. Although, uh, judging by the lack of recruiting content, that's not going to happen. So we'll be back with full recruiting Josh next week. But Bob had to jump out a little bit early because he had radio to do. Uh, Eddie, appreciate you as always. Uh, and don't forget sure. Dead Soxy, uh, 30% off. We had a guy that contacted me the other day, uh, and uh, he had a, he was getting ready for his wedding, and uh, he wanted to know that he's going to be wearing uh, his crimson and cream Dead Soxy socks at his wedding. So that was pretty cool. Uh, so appreciate all you guys supporting dead socks. appreciate you guys continuing to listen to the unofficial 40 podcast. And thanks again, Jason Kersey for, uh, doing an assist with Josh on vacation this week. So, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast on soonerscoop.com. Pray for tiger. <laughs>